Hi, this is Kelly Chase and you are listening to History Detective, a podcast where I delve into the past to uncover the mysteries of history and then I explore how that story might be reimagined through song. This is case 30, Annie Wheeler, Mother of Queenslanders. Down through the rabbit hole, mystery to solve, curiosity to follow. A huge thank you to Abd Up Learning for their continued support of the podcast. They have ready-made teaching resources for all subject areas and grade levels. Amped Up Learning now have a points reward system, earning you 5% rewards on every purchase. Head on over to ampeduplearning.com for all of your classroom needs, including supporting resources for every History Detective episode. Enter the code HISTORYDETECTIVE10 to get 10% off everything. You may never have heard of Annie Wheeler, but if you turn back the clock more than a century and you were a young Queensland man fighting in the trenches of World War I, Annie Wheeler would have been your lifeline. She was not only essential to the soldiers on the front lines, but also to their families back home. This Queensland woman set up headquarters in London and made sure that more than 2,300 soldiers from central Queensland could keep in touch with their families. In our world of internet, smartphones, Wi-Fi and instant connection, it is hard for us to imagine what it would be like to have a loved one go off to war and hear nothing at all for months on end. Imagine that feeling of being left on red, not for just hours, days or weeks, but for months and sometimes even years. No news from your brother, sister, father or mother, friends or any loved ones. But that's what it was like being in the trenches. Or even if you were a relative on the home front, you would have had no idea what was going on in the world, except for the measly scraps that were fed to you through the heavily censored newspapers. We are used to living in a world with a constant news cycle, where we can scroll through the newsfeed or look on YouTube or TikTok, and we can find out what is happening on the other side of the world instantaneously. But back in 1914, the world did not work like that. There was not even television. Telephones were rare and all news had to come through the newspapers. And who knew how up-to-date the article might be? Yes, you could write a letter, but that might take months to reach home. This is where Annie Wheeler came in. With her intricate filing system, she became a conduit for soldiers and families to be able to pass news to one another without the arduous months of waiting for letters to travel on ships across the seas. So how did it come about that Annie Wheeler was able to play such a vital role in World War I that by 1919 more than 5,000 people from the Rockhampton area petitioned the governor to secure royal recognition of Annie Wheeler's services to the people of central Queensland? Oh, and by the way, the petition was successful. In 1920, Annie Wheeler was granted an OBE, or Order of the British Empire. Annie 
Wheeler was born in 1867 in the fabulously named town of Dingo. According to the 2016 census, the town of Dingo only had 340 people. So you can imagine, 150 years earlier, Dingo was not a huge town. In fact, Annie went to school in Rockhampton, which is about 150 kilometres or 93 miles to the east of Dingo. She also received some nursing training from Sydney Hospital before she returned home and did some private nursing. When she was 29 years old, she married Henry Wheeler and moved out to a town called Blackwater, which is about 50 kilometres further west than Dingo. There, she had a daughter who she named Portia. Unfortunately, her husband died after only six years of marriage and she moved back to Rockhampton as a single widowed mum with her four-year-old child, Portia. She stayed in Rockhampton until Portia was about 15 years old and in 1913, one year before World War I broke out, she and her daughter moved to England so that Portia could complete her education. It was this move that put Annie and her daughter in just the right place so they would be able to facilitate communication between the Queensland soldiers fighting on the front lines in France and their families who were desperately awaiting news of their sons back in central Queensland. When the war broke out, Annie was compelled to help. And of course, with her background in nursing, it seemed only natural that she applied for work in a hospital in Sussex. She also joined a couple of Australian associations, the Australian Natives Association and the Australian War Contingent Association. However, she was a little frustrated with the organisational systems of the Australian War Contingent Association and she resigned and decided to take matters into her own hands. This way, the families from central Queensland could easily get news of their boys from the other side of the world. She and Portia created their own filing system to keep track of the soldiers. For this, they used index cards. If you've not seen an index card, it's a small piece of lined cardboard just slightly larger than an iPhone. About 3 by 5 inches is the standard size. On these index cards, Annie would record the name, battalion and serial number of each soldier, contacts, where they were stationed and if they'd been injured or reported missing. She was said to have more than 2,300 soldiers on her books. She would also forward packages and mail to them, and if they ended up in hospital in England, she would visit them and take care of them. For some soldiers who were on leave and whose wages had been tied up in bureaucratic delays, she would loan them money so that they were able to survive and enjoy their recreation leave fully. When Australian mail was delivered, there was a special van from the London GPO that dropped off huge canvas bags which would be tipped out on Annie and Portia's living room floor to be sorted and distributed to the soldiers. Apparently, any London policeman knew where she lived as so often they had to direct a soldier wearing a slouch hat to her house. There was a sign on the front door that had been drawn by one of the soldiers that showed an Australian rising sun badge, a kangaroo and the words, hop right in, dig. But this was only half the job. She also sent back a fortnightly letter to Rockhampton that was published in the Capricornian and the Morning Bulletin newspapers. 
Here is a little extract of one such letter published on the 29th of August, 1918. Stan Ali wrote on the 12th instant. He is well and cheerful. I had told him to let me know if he wanted any socks and he said he would like some, so we have sent over a parcel. G.H. Alford says he is well provided with underwear, but would like some socks and something to smoke, so a parcel will be sent to him also. Walter Bath was well when he wrote in the 8th instant. He says that there is nothing definite to be had in the way of leave yet. This letter published in the paper goes on for about two pages and just lists the name of a soldier and a little snippet of information about each one and a message they might like to pass on. You can imagine how the families back home would have cherished these little nuggets of information about their beloved sons, brothers and husbands. This massive workload and the emotional burden of seeing so many of her boys wounded or finding out they were missing or killed in action took a toll on Annie Wheeler and in 1918 she suffered from a nervous breakdown and was unable to do the work. Luckily her daughter Portia who had been helping her all throughout the war was 20 now and she continued on with her mother's work. Also, a nurse called May MacDonald was sent to help her with this very important work. In 1919, a support fund was set up for Annie in Rockhampton and the Commonwealth Government provided free passage for her return to Australia. Over 5,000 people met her train where she received a hero's welcome. This is when the people started to petition so she could receive her OBE. The State Library of Queensland have digitised many of her records and you can access some of them in their online collections. And of course, there are many references to her in the newspapers on the free Trove digital archives of the National Library of Australia. Annie Wheeler lived to a ripe old age of 83 and she lived out her twilight years in the 1940s in the then new resort town of Surface Paradise on the Gold Coast. She lived right smack bang in the middle in Orchid Avenue, which back then was a quiet street near the beach, but of course now is known as the Glitter Strip, where all of the nightclubs are located. Just whose truth will it be? Hers or his story? Or maybe just a little bit in between? Now I would like to play you a song that I wrote which was inspired by the work of Annie Wheeler. It's called Letters Home. This is Kelly Chase on The Case.
Follow me on Twitter at History Detect, Instagram at History Detective 9 or head on over to historydetectivepodcast.com to find all kinds of podcast-related stuff. Or if you want ready-made resources for this or any of the Season 1, 2, 3 or 4 episodes, head on over to my Amped Up Learning or Teachers Pay Teachers stores. Next time on History Detective, we will meet the awesome female First Nations warrior from Tasmania, Taranora If you liked what you heard and know someone who might enjoy History Detective too, please share and don't forget to subscribe. I would also love it if you could head on over to Apple Podcasts, Podchaser or Spotify and give me a five-star review. Your support would be much appreciated. And if you want to support the podcast financially, you can now buy me a coffee. You'll find the link in the show notes. See you next time.